Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When I started high school, I was going through a very hard time. My family was broke. We lived in a tiny apartment, all sleeping in the same room and eating fast food every day because it was all we could afford. My mom and dad fought every single day because of the situation. I'm the eldest of my siblings, so it was my job to take care of them while my parents argued. I had so much anger pent up inside me, and the only outlet for it I had was school. I used to argue with teachers out loud, yelling because they sent homework. I used to lose my cool on anyone, so people avoided me, and others mocked me because of my anger issues. I was super unhealthy at the time because I didn't eat well, so despite my large build, I was pretty weak, and people took advantage of this. All the rich kids who played sports and had time to work out made fun of me, and when I got mad, they'd beat me up. I hated school, but I hated being at home, too. I think that's why I walked to and from school every day often taking detours in order to take longer to reach both possible destinations. Sometimes I walked home alone at night, and one time I had an encounter that changed my life for the better, at least for the duration of high school. I was walking home one foggy night when I had a feeling I was being followed. I turned a corner, and as I turned, I snuck a peek behind me. From the corner of my eye, I managed to see a group of men. I was afraid I was about to get mugged because they wouldn't find anything of value on me and would probably just end up hurting me, so I sped up my walk. I turned another corner in hopes of losing them, but I saw there was one man missing from the group now. I kept walking and suddenly the missing man popped up in front of me. He towered over me and in a raspy voice he asked me, what's your name kid? I responded, Noah. He motioned towards his group, and a guy my age came and stood next to him. The tall guy said, My name is Theo. This is my little brother, Zach. I nodded at Zach slightly. I had seen him around school. He was a quiet kid in my grade. I looked at Theo one more time and realized he was a senior at my school. You remind me of my brother, Theo said. We want to help you out, kid. I asked him what he wanted to help me with, suspicious that they were still going to mug me but he said he and Zach went through the same with their families. I handled it well, but Zachy here handled it just like you, Theo said. Zach told me everything he and Theo went through. Now, I don't recommend doing what I did, because guys like Theo and Zach are rare, but I didn't care much what happened to me at that point, so I followed them to an abandoned building. I'm not sure what I expected, but I definitely didn't expect a second family. Three years later, I walked into school ready to start my senior year. Zach was next to me. We were both much taller than in freshman year, and thanks to Theo, I had really gotten my act together. If he ever saw me with unhealthy food in my hands, he would snatch it and toss it in the bin. If he saw me slacking off when I was meant to be doing schoolwork, he'd smack the back of my head and tell me to focus. He trained Zach and I in boxing four times a week minimum. How did I repay him? Loyalty. At lunch that day, Zach and I sat at our usual table. We needed to discuss some things where people couldn't hear, so the far end of the cafeteria, away from everyone else, was perfect. I leaned closer to Zach and asked him, You got rid of it, right? To which he responded, Yeah, of course. I sighed in relief. We had messed up a job the night before and taken something we shouldn't have. You see, the loyalty I repaid Theo with was to the gang. 
Our gang was called the Robins, after Robin Hood. Zack and Theo's father was scammed by some sketchy politicians, which is why they were broke, like my parents. So Theo got revenge on that man by leaking information on his crimes. The man was thrown in jail, but it wasn't enough for Theo. He realized from a young age how corrupt many people in power in our city were. He couldn't take all of them down himself, so he called upon some trustworthy friends and formed the Robins. When the time came, Zack joined, and they recruited me when they noticed I was going through a similar thing. The ceremony to join the gang felt like diving headfirst into a movie. I earned my place in the Robins, got a codename, and was rewarded with my tattoo when I was old enough. Every member had an R tattooed on the inside of their upper arm in gothic font. I wanted to show it off to everyone I knew, but I knew that if I did that, any enemies lurking in the shadows would attack. Zack checked his watch and gave me a nod. We went out into the almost empty hallway just in time. A few police officers walked in and went straight to the principal's office. Two minutes later, they were leading our handcuffed principal back to their car. He was kicking and screaming, but very few people actually saw it. I was proud to see another creep exposed. That night, we snuck into school, disguised from head to toe, and spray-painted an R onto the principal's office door. The city was full of R's. It was our way of letting people know the Robins had taken care of another criminal in power. A few days later, I was sitting with Zach on the bleachers next to the basketball court. We sat there whenever we had a free period because it was usually quiet, but this time the basketball team was practicing. The basketball team was really annoying. They also happened to be the kids who made fun of me when I was younger. Zach and I watched them play for a while and then one of the players tripped and fell flat on his face. I chuckled, but Zach burst out laughing. His laugh echoed through the gym. I saw the team captain turn to glare at him. The team started marching toward us, ready to start some trouble. So I stood up while Zach was still laughing and clutching his stomach next to me. The team captain shouted from the bottom of the bleachers, Why don't you come over here and laugh to our faces? I calmly crossed my arms and said to him, No need for that. Go back to playing your little game. I swear I saw a vein popping in his forehead. He challenged me to a match to see if I could beat him at his game, which I wasn't going to accept. But Zach stood up, slapped his hand on my shoulder, and said, He can run laps around you, dum-dums. So I kind of had to accept. After school, we went back to the court for the game. It was one-on-one, -on -one, which was fine by me, but then they told me that to play, I needed to wear their uniform. Their sleeveless uniform. Zach gave me a panicked look and mouthed the word, no. But I nodded towards the first aid kit on the wall, and he understood what I was going to do. I came out of the locker room in the stupid uniform. I had a bandage wrapped tightly around my upper arm to cover my tattoo. I looked over at Zach on the bleachers, and he gave me a thumbs up. The gym doors opened, and people started flooding in. The bleachers were now full, but it didn't fluster me. I knew I could beat anyone on the team. I did run laps around the team captain like Zach said I would. I scored a bunch of times, many more than him, and he only got angrier and angrier. He played more aggressively, so I had to run faster. After a few minutes, we were both sweating. I didn't notice, but my bandage began to slip. The time was almost up, and I wanted to make one more shot. I jumped, scored, and hung from the hoop with one arm. I turned and saw the crowd shocked. I was a bit offended, thinking they doubted I'd win. But then I saw Zach getting up and running towards me. I let go of the hoop, and then I saw my bandage on the floor. Everyone had seen my R tattoo. Everyone knew I was a Robin. Zach dragged me out of the gym. You had to get cocky, didn't you? Do you have any idea what you just did? He yelled at me. I had never seen Zach that angry. He reached for something in his pocket, but I ran out before seeing what it was. I ran all the way home. How could I have been so stupid? Number one rule, always have your tattoo covered. But I just had to prove I was better than those jocks, didn't I? I smacked myself in the forehead because I knew what this meant. I knew they would come for me. I grabbed a few things, then quickly scribbled two notes. One of them was for my family, and the other was for anyone who came looking for me. I needed them both to know I wasn't coming back. I spent months on the road. I ditched my cell phone in a forest an hour away from the city and then drove in the opposite direction. I was running from two different groups. I knew the gang would try to get rid of me, 
They couldn't afford me getting caught and exposing everyone involved with the Robins. It was too dangerous. I also knew that all the criminals we threw behind bars probably had wanted posters with my face on them. I was the only known member of the Robins. They would definitely hunt me down. I had my route traced on a map. I found the most remote places, and that is where I went. My next stop was an abandoned hotel on a mountainside. I drove up the bumpy dirt road until I reached a path that I couldn't drive through. I marched on as quietly as I could, waiting for the tiniest sound to indicate someone was there. But all I could hear were crickets. The entrance was locked, so I looked around until I found a broken window that had been boarded up. I managed to squeeze through the gap. It was pitch black inside the hotel. I had some matches on me and found a dusty candlestick on the floor. I tiptoed around the place to make sure it was empty. The great dining hall was well lit, which surprised me a lot. There was a big chair facing away from me. A knife was being tossed and caught by a hand on the armrest. A figure then turned around. It was Theo. I expected him to try to hurt me, like Zack did, but he approached me calmly and threw the knife onto a table. That was a dumb move, kid, Theo said. You could have gotten yourself killed. I collapsed onto a chair and just closed my eyes. I said, I don't know what to do. I felt Theo grab my shoulder. He said he had always seen me as a little brother, so he was going to do to me what he would do for Zack if he was in my situation. He grabbed a small suitcase from underneath the table. An hour later, I looked much different. Theo shaved my head and gave me contact lenses to change my eye color. He also gave me a fake bushy beard. My arm hurt because Theo tattooed a panther, my codename in the gang, over my R tattoo. He walked me towards the window I came in through. He handed me some papers and said, plane ticket and new identity. I was about to leave, but I just had to ask, Theo, how did you find me? He chuckled and said, your car is bugged, kid. I put cameras everywhere. Everything I learned with the Robins helped me when I arrived in Italy. I wasn't going to make the same mistakes again. In my new gang, we don't have tattoos, and we leave no one wanting revenge. My name's Pete, and I grew up in a rickety shack in the middle of a rich suburb. Dad had been offered multiple times by the rich newcomers to buy his land, but he never sold, despite the high offers. He was waiting for the price to skyrocket. You know, son, in matters of investment, you gotta hold. If you hold long enough, the thing you hold on to increases in value exponentially. Dad saved every penny that he could spare. For the rainy day, he always used to say. He was a regimented man. He did everything by the book. Everything had to be in its place. He always drilled into me how I needed to divide my life into segments and achieve specific goals. School. Job. Dating, marriage, children. And out of all those, he emphasized the importance of a stable 9 to 5. You mustn't aim higher or you'll only fail. The rich will stay rich, and us poor folk need to keep our heads down. For all his steadfastness, what he forgot is that the house's value could also go to the complete opposite way. Thanks to an ingenious scheme that our rich neighbors came up with, our plot of land became wetter and wetter every year. The first house to do it were the Manderleys. They were a bunch of snobs who came down from the city when they heard our school district was the best in the country. Mummy, who are those poor people living next to our mansion? Shoo! Son, don't look at them! Poverty is contagious! Ugh. They made a canal where their sink water was dumped into, and it all flowed into our plot. Of course they kept it a secret, and nobody found out until it was too late. The rich guys got fined by the city. But it was too late. Our plot of land became a swamp, and its value was deemed worthless. Dad held on for nothing. I guess that was what broke his spirit. He and Mom just gave up and just lived on a day-to-day -day basis. They no longer dreamed of a better future. To further humiliate him... Our rich neighbors held a charity drive for my dad and us. And during the embarrassing ceremony, the Manderleys made an exaggerated show by offering dad a job at their agency as a clown for a kid's party. And he took it. He had no other choice. Every household in that suburb hired him. And it hurt to see people laughing.
not because they found him funny, but because he did whatever it took for spare change. And still, he didn't sell the house. So, my whole life, I had to live in a swamp. My classmates called me an ogre because of it. I heard the Manderly kids started the nickname. Every time I passed by, they would plug their noses or pinch them closed and tell me I stunk of swamp. It was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life when I finally got to sit beside my longtime crush in chemistry, and she fainted after she held her breath because she believed the rumor that I smelled bad. I did get to talk to Opal after I took her to the infirmary, and she realized the rumors weren't true. Opal was an outcast, just like me, and so we bonded straight away. We laughed it off and we became friends, so it wasn't all bad. Unfortunately, the entire school only heard about the part where a girl fainted because of my smell. That made me the laughing stock for quite a while. I was called Stinky Petey, and for three whole years, I battled that nickname. In senior year, I almost won, and some people started calling me Pete again. Until some nosy first year asked someone on the basketball team why there was a graffiti of my nickname in the locker room. Then the joke got told over and over again. Luckily, I had Opal. She never stopped defending me. She grew more beautiful as time passed, and she got rid of her braces. Suddenly, she was popular. Some people even called her the Queen Bee, but she refused the title because she thought it was vain. When a guy from the football team tried to ask her out, she grabbed my hand and pulled me into a surprising kiss in front of everyone. I melted. I felt sparks. Obviously, I dreamed of escaping that life. And it got so frustrating that I couldn't do anything because I was poor. So, I condensed all that frustration and all those impossible dreams, and I poured them into something I was good at. I loved to draw. And I loved to tell stories. So, whenever I felt down in the dumps, or whenever I wanted to scream, I drew. And I wrote stories. I would make little comic strips about my day or how terrible high school was. And when Opal and I got to hang out, she would beg me over and over until I finally relented and showed her the comics for that week. She would laugh at all of them, and she would feel bad for the main character when the story was a sad one. Either way, the afternoon would end with her wiping tears from her eyes as she begged me for more. You know you have to publish these, right? <laughs> Don't be silly. I'm serious. These are really good. You're just saying that because you're my friend. So you're saying I have no taste. Uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. Opal would nag me a lot. But she was always there for me. And she always wanted to see me succeed. She was the only light in my dark life. Not even my parents believed I could achieve anything. One day, as I was walking through the quad, I noticed people laughing and pointing at me more than usual, and they were looking at their phones. I rifled through the school's group chat, and there they were. My creations. For everyone to see. And laugh at. Opal had betrayed me. They were all laughing. And not because I was funny, they laughed at my drawings. Called me a loser. One girl threw a pickle at my face. Ha! <laughs> Wannabe! I fought battles on two fronts by myself, one at school and the other at home. You're born poor. You'll live the rest of your life poor. That's just life. It's pointless to even try. The rich grow richer, and the poor get poorer. And whenever I would show them my report card or a medal I'd gotten, they'd just brush it off like it meant nothing. Once, when I made the mistake of showing them my drawings, my dad tore them in front of me and threw them into the fireplace. I don't have time to look at your silly scribbling. Can't you see I'm busy figuring out how to pay our bills? Don't bother your dad. Here I am, breaking my back for this family. And you spend good money on paper and paintbrushes. You're wasting all my hard work. You're wasting your time on pointless things. But I had big dreams, and I tried to make them realize that I was serious about making comics. So, I did what Opal told me to do. I published them on a free site where people read webtoons. On my first day, 
I got one view. And I began doubting myself again. But by the second day, I had a hundred comments on the first chapter I submitted. All of them clamoring for more chapters. I was shamed for my art in real life, and yet online I was a star. I gotta admit, living that secret life was exciting. I ran to the nearest cafe, ordered one coffee so I could get free Wi-Fi, and uploaded as many chapters as that free Wi-Fi would allow. By the end of the month, I had people sending me donations and supporting me because they loved my series so much. A lot of them were kids like me who were struggling at school and had nobody to talk to. At first, I only got something like a hundred bucks a week. But then, my account grew. After a couple of months, I had over a hundred thousand subscribers. The money was pouring in. There were donations, tips, subscriptions to my Patreon. I was finally able to make a living out of the thing I loved the most. And the best part? The hype got so big that Getflix wanted to make it into a show. But it felt hollow. Opal was the reason I kept drawing, and she wasn't with me. Uh, uh, hello? We wanted to get your answer about Getflix acquiring the license for your comic strips. We'd love to start shooting the series as soon as possible. I was gobsmacked. I was half expecting that email to be a scam. Are you still there? Okay, you're a tough negotiator. I said 300 grand in the email, but we can go as high as half a million. For the first season. Sound good? They paid me up front. And I couldn't help myself. I called Opal. She congratulated me, and then she broke down sobbing. It wasn't me. I swear. I'm so sorry. The Manderly kids took my phone, and when they saw your drawings, they... They told me they'd have your dad fired if I tried to stop them. I ran to Opal's house, and as soon as I saw her, I embraced her, and I peppered her with kisses. There's nothing to forgive. They'll get what's coming to them. I wanted to surprise my parents with a huge gift. I was going to buy them a house. And I was going to do it on my 18th birthday. But the night before... My I was out with Opal the whole day, and when I got home, my mom and dad were waiting for me in the living room. Dad took out my tablet and laptop. Where'd you get these, huh? You stealing from us? D there's nothing to steal. Don't you get smart with me. Been telling you for a year now. Go to your Uncle Howard and work at his shop so you can help us with the bills. And all this time, you've been wasting my your name's time. Pete. My name's Pete. Doodling? Your dad and I are very disappointed. It's what I love to do. It's my passion and it's going to be my career. What? Selling scribbles? Wake up, son. You're poor. Your parents are broke. And you will be broke just like us. So stop struggling. Instead of wasting your time, if you just go and work for your uncle, he won't pay you much, but you need a bit of reality check, Peter. You can do nothing on your own. So you might as well help us. I grabbed my stuff from my dad and stomped up the stairs. You better be ready to sell those gadgets if we come up short of the bill this month. I couldn't take it anymore. I packed my bags and snuck out when they thought I was asleep. I took a cab to the fanciest hotel in the city and I splurged for the very first time in my life. I got myself the presidential suite. I tipped every waitress at the Japanese restaurant a thousand bucks and by the end of dinner they were feeding me by my hand. I had trays upon trays of dessert sent up to my mom. And I lay on the most comfortable bed I'd ever laid on, surrounded by 30 different dishes that cost over $10,000. I woke up early and went straight to a real estate agency. And I saw that a mansion in the same street as our house was up for sale. And I had a wicked smile when I realized that it was the neighbor who was the first to dump water into our lot. I couldn't help but be tempted by a double revenge. As soon as I got home, Mom and Dad began asking me where I'd been. I ignored them. Instead, I started putting my stuff into boxes, and then I moved them to the curb. 
After a while, the moving company I had hired turned up, and they started moving the boxes and carrying them next door. What are you doing? You said I can do nothing by myself? So, that's what I'm doing. A very, very sweet nothing. I flashed my bank account at him and his jaw fell to the ground. My dad is a successful businessman who constantly got in trouble for mistreating his employees. One time, his secretary, who was pregnant, asked him if she could go home early because she wasn't feeling well. My dad responded, No, you have to finish your work first. But sir, I think I'm going into labor. Your water didn't break yet, or... So go back to work or else you are fired. Well, a few hours later, the poor woman ended up giving birth inside my dad's office. And instead of being helpful, my dad kept yelling at her to not make such a mess or else the carpet would be ruined. Yes, my dad was lacking in empathy. And when the local newspaper heard about the incident, they wrote a front page newspaper article about it, publicly humiliating him and tarnishing his reputation. My dad could have simply apologized to his secretary that gave birth, but instead, he wanted to sue her for defamation because she had called him the most ruthless boss in the history of mankind inside that news article. Fortunately, my dad's lawyers convinced him that suing a mother who had just given birth would only further damage his public image. Instead, they advised him to donate money to some charity. My dad reluctantly agreed and chose to open a high school for underprivileged kids. That's where I come into play. I somehow persuaded my dad to let me take over the planning and administration of his new school. He was happy to see me be so passionate about the project. He probably thought it would prepare me to take over his business one day. Well, big mistake. Because my first decision was to turn it into an all-girls school. And I didn't care one bit if the girls came from underprivileged backgrounds or not. I just wanted them to be pretty. And to get as many school applications as possible, I let the school make all kinds of ridiculous promises. Like one teacher for every five students. And the offering of lots of sports activities like ballet classes and horse riding. LOL! I was way too lazy to hire a ballet teacher. And I certainly didn't buy any horses. But my marketing worked, and the school got over 2,000 applications. I went through all of them and checked every girl's Facebook account to see if they were pretty or not. Of course, I only chose the best-looking ones. To give you an idea how picky I was, I only accepted 1 in 10 girls. Anyway, the year was about to start, and I realized that I had forgotten to hire teachers. I ended up finding some at the last minute, but they were really bad. They all had been kicked out of their previous schools for either always being on sick leave, straight up stealing, or in one case, bullying one of her own students. But hiring bad teachers turned out to be a brilliant move on my part, because none of them cared whether I was running the school well or not. They all just wanted to collect their paychecks. In fact, two of the 10 teachers I hired only showed up for a single week. Afterward, they called in sick for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, I was 16 and put myself into 11th grade. The girls were surprised to have a boy in their class, but I told them I was only there for a few months to make sure my dad's school ran smoothly. Now, let me tell you something. Boys aren't the only ones whose hormones go crazy during puberty. Lots of girls were interested in me. No, let me correct myself. All girls were interested in me. I was the only guy around and got asked out on so many dates that I had to reject most girls. I simply didn't have the time to date them all. And a girl getting rejected by a guy only increases her desire for that man. That's why girls started promising me that I could do anything I wanted if I only went on a date with them. And while you probably think I was living the dream, I don't think that such an abundance of women was healthy for me. I had always looked up to my dad. Maybe he was a jerk, but he was also extremely hardworking and a high achiever. I wanted to be like him one day and not just end up as another spoiled rich kid. But ask yourself the following question. Would Bill Gates have had the discipline to build Microsoft if growing up he'd been surrounded by hundreds of pretty girls who all wanted him? Not a chance! And so, instead of focusing on my studies, I was fully busy with girls. I often skipped classes and took my classmates Kendall and Rose into empty classrooms to hang out and make out. I had a key to every classroom, after all. I pulled out a water bottle and said, Let's play spin the bottle. Can you believe that in 10 spins, it didn't point at me once? It was infuriating. But at least Kendall came home with me after school, so I won't complain. What shocked me the most about staying at an all-girls school was how mean the popular girls were. Our teachers paid no attention to bullying, and in my art class, some girls always drew their sketches on the backs of other girls. They had to hold still for at least an hour, and it was extremely degrading. 
I once asked one of the girls that got bullied why she let the popular girls treat her like that. And she replied, Because if I stand up for myself, they'll take me to the bathroom, take away my clothes, and make me walk home naked. I saw them do that to another girl. I felt sorry for her and invited her to my home. But once it got late, I told her, I want to sleep now. Please go home. Oh, but will we see each other again tomorrow? Um, no. So you don't want to be my boyfriend? I shook my head and she started crying. Oh my god, you took my V-card and you don't even want to date me? You stole it from me! At that point, I'd probably been intimate with a third of all girls at my school. Anyway, our school had no principal, which meant there was no supervision whatsoever and I could change anyone's grades on the report card. I only did that for myself and eight other girls who were my closest friends. But when I showed my fake report card full of A's and B's to my dad and he told me how proud he was, I felt a bit ashamed. Instead of studying hard for school, I was cutting corners and abusing my power to get laid with girls. I knew if I continued like this, I'd end up like Paris Hilton, another dumb rich kid who does nothing other than spending her daddy's money. So the following semester, I wanted to reinvent myself and decided to befriend Laura, who was the best student at our school. She was so diligent that she even read textbooks during recess. Hey, Laura, I said, want to study together with me for the next math exam? No, thank you. But teamwork is fun, isn't it? Teamwork? Why don't you first tell me how to locate the local maxima of a function? Of course, I didn't know the answer to her question, so she continued. Us two working together wouldn't be teamwork. It would be me tutoring you for free. No thank you. Well, okay, then let me pay you to be my tutor. $50 an hour. Is that enough? Apparently, $50 was a lot to Lara. She agreed, and we met at my house. I was so used to girls being into me that I immediately made advances towards her. What the hell? Get your hands off me. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it won't happen again. The study session went well, but during a break, Laura complained to me that her math teacher expected way too much and that it was impossible to get an A in her class. I replied, well, do you know my dad owns the school? I have enough power to change your grades any way you want. Really? Yeah. Last semester, I polished the report cards of a couple of my friends. Kendall, for example, got an F in her English exam, but thanks to me, ended up getting an A on her report card. I was telling her all that to impress her. However, she got really mad and said, I'm working my ass off day and night to study, and you give away A's to a bunch of undeserving brats you've slept with? I didn't know what to respond, and Lara stormed out. I had a bad feeling, but I had no idea just how bad things were about to get. Laura contacted both the local authorities and several newspapers to tell them how I was the only boy at my dad's all-girls school, how I had slept with dozens of girls, and how I had abused my power to give some of my favorite girls good grades in return for... you know what. It turned into a huge scandal, and everyone blamed my dad for what I had done. He got so much negative press that the board of directors of his own company decided to fire him as the CEO. At first, my dad hated me for all the trouble I'd caused him. But now, without the job and without the stress that comes with being a CEO, he became a much more relaxed person and forgave me. He even said, I'm glad I no longer work 12 hours a day. I have all the money in the world, so why shouldn't I enjoy myself a little? Right now, my dad does nothing but play golf all day and have fun. And why not if it makes him happy? I'm Alvin. Like most days, I got off the school bus and walked two blocks to the kindergarten where my mom works. As usual, I stood waiting for her at the front of the building. On that day, though, a man came from nowhere, grabbed my backpack, and ran away with it. Hey, that's my math homework you're stealing, I yelled after him. There's nothing of value to even steal! The man disappeared around the corner. Distraught, I slumped down and continued waiting for my mother. That's the price you pay for living here. Things like this happen all of the time. My mom finally got off work at 5 p.m. Someone stole my math homework while I was waiting for you, I told her. Just like me, she'd gotten used to it. You're lucky. Someone stole all four tires from a client's car today, she said laughing. <laughs> we continued chatting while walking to our fake home. You heard that right. I said fake. You'll figure out what I mean in a moment. You see, this old and rather dilapidated house goes with the rest of the neighborhood. After about 10 minutes, we made it to our fake home. 
My mom made herself a coffee as we waited for my dad until 6 p.m. After my dad came home from work, we spent another hour waiting impatiently. Then, we hurried around the house, closing the curtains so our neighbors wouldn't see us. From the moment the curtains closed every evening, we'd live as we truly are, like rich people. We went down to the basement of our fake home. My dad turned on the facial recognition system. We turned our faces to the hidden cameras. As soon as the system identified us, the secret door in our basement opened. The secret door revealed a 5.4 mile long tunnel. It's actually a subway line that belongs to my parents and me. We use this unique subway every night to reach our real home. After a short ride, we made it to our mansion. Our property is enclosed by 13 feet high walls. During the day, there are hundreds of people working here, maintaining the grounds. Maids, drivers, cooks, and gardeners. The staff leaves at 6.30 p.m. We arrive after they're gone, and it's only us at the mansion. We walked into the dining hall. We filled our plates with food from the buffet and sat down. The best chefs in the world cook a hundred different dishes every night. My dad asked, How was your day, son? Someone stole my backpack as I was waiting for mom. I had my math homework in that backpack. I need to do it all over again, I replied. Dad smiled. Bummer. I'm free tonight if you need help, he said. Dad, I hate hiding the fact that we're rich. Horrible things keep happening to us in that neighborhood, and they always will. Alvin, we talked about this so many times. We have to live this way. We have no choice but to adapt, he replied, frowning. Yes, we had talked about this many times, yet I still didn't understand why we had to hide that we were the wealthiest family in the world. My grandfather had won the biggest jackpot of all time from the lottery. On the way to claim his winnings, he and my grandmother got in a car accident. My grandmother died instantly. My grandfather fell ill in his grief. So, he hired a lawyer to get his affairs in order and found an investment advisor. I'm not going to touch this money. Invest with it as you like. I want my son to benefit from it in the future, he said. The advisor was very good at his job. He built hotels and shopping malls worldwide and bought shares in gold and diamonds and stakes in many successful companies. My grandfather's lottery winnings grew exponentially, reaching billions of dollars. When my grandfather died, my parents inherited all his wealth. For some reason, we have to hide it. We pretend to live in the lowest income neighborhood of our city. We can only enjoy the privileges of being wealthy when we're in the mansion. I've been putting up with this for years because my parents want me to, but I've had it. I want to live my best life 24 hours a day. It's my birthright. I thought about everything that night and came up with an idea. If I made sure my friends at school knew about how rich we were, they would definitely tell their friends and families. Word would spread like wildfire, and all kinds of people would know about our fortune. Then my parents would have to concede that it was impossible to hide any longer, and we could start living the high life every day. I put my plan into motion the next day without hesitation. To start, I decided to tell two people, Nancy and Justin. I can't really say that I like them. I think they're super obnoxious, but they both were pretty popular in school and loved gossiping. Thanks to them, my family's secret would be out in no time. After lunch, I called both of them to the schoolyard and cut to the chase. I'm going to share my family's biggest secret with you. They were both stunned. I'm not kidding what I'm about to tell you, so you've got to trust me, I said. I had to muster up the courage to keep speaking. Nancy and Justin waited with anticipation. They both stared at me intensely. My family is the richest family in the world. And I'm the richest kid in the world, I said. My friends just stared at each other. Then they both burst out laughing. If I'm honest, that's the reaction I was expecting. You don't believe me, and you have every reason not to. I'm going to ask you to come with me. What I'm about to show you is sure to convince you, I said. You better find other people to mess around with, Justin groaned. Nancy was all in. Alvin looks dead serious, she said, and I'm curious about what's happening here. I couldn't take my friends to our fake home because I didn't know how to operate the facial recognition system. That being the case, I wouldn't be able to open the secret door. That's why I decided to take them to the mansion in broad daylight. It would be my first time entering my own house from the front door. But first, I had to convince the security detail posted outside. There was a gigantic iron door at the entrance and a security booth for the guards. Nancy and Justin stared in disbelief, first at the majestic door 
Then at the towering walls, one of the guards came out of the booth. Kids, this is private property. Please leave, he said. I told the guard, you don't know me, but I live here. I want to show our house to my friends, I said. I'm not in the mood for jokes, kid. Move along, please, he groaned. My room is on the third floor, I said, trying to convince him. There's a MacBook on my bed right now. I binge-watched Netflix until late last night. I can list off every show to prove it to you. Take us up there. Son, you're a fool if you think you can play me like that. I'll have to make a citizen's arrest for trespassing if you don't leave now, he responded. Justin turned to me. Alvin, I don't know if this is your idea of a prank, but I'm not getting in trouble because of some weird lie. This guy seems pretty serious. Let's get out of here before he puts us in a chokehold or something, he said. I decided to play my last card. I'm going to tell my father about this. If you don't want to lose your job, let us in. This is my house, I screamed. At the last second, the iron gate started opening. A luxury car with dark windows was leaving the property. It stopped where we stood. The black backseat window came down. The person inside looked out and asked, What seems to be the problem here? The security guard said, Sir, this kid says he lives here. The man looked at me condescendingly. You certainly do not live here. This is my private property, and I have two daughters, no son, he said. Let's go, he commanded the driver, rolling up his window. I just stood there, shocked. He's lying. This is our house, I murmured. Justin and Nancy looked at each other nervously. Nancy said, and to think I believed you, even for a second. Justin nodded. Called it. They turned around and started walking back. I was sure that everyone at school would find out about what happened. This mansion was my home. Who was that man? Knowing it was useless to insist, I went back to my family's run-down fake house. When I walked into the house, I saw my parents waiting impatiently for me. They both looked upset. Obviously, they knew what had happened. My mom said, Alvin, we watched you and your friends on the security camera. What you did was incredibly reckless. I had tears pouring down my face. You're right, mom. I'm so sorry. But who was that man? Don't we own the mansion? I asked. My dad said, Of course we do. That man is a professional actor. Staff at the mansion think he owns the house. It's another precaution we had to take so that no one would suspect what's going on. Dad, why do we have to take so many precautions? Why are we hiding our real selves from the world? I really want to know, I pleaded. My dad looked at my mom, who nodded at him before turning to me. We hid some things from you to protect you. We knew we'd have to tell you one day, but we were worried about your mental health, Dad said, pausing. He looked back at my mom again. She nodded for him to go on. Then she started crying softly. My dad took a deep breath and began to explain. We used to be the family you always wanted us to be. You weren't born yet. We had a daughter named Betty. Everyone knew how rich we were, which made our lives incredibly difficult. We used to go everywhere with an army of guards. We all had to wear bulletproof vests. Then something awful happened. Someone managed to kidnap your sister. They demanded we give them a hundred million dollars as ransom. We said yes, of course, but they never released her, even though we gave them the money. The police were sure it was because Betty had seen their faces. This was a massive trauma for us. After that, your mom and I made a decision. We moved to the inner city and set up this life to hide our wealth. We lost our daughter. We couldn't protect her. We don't want to lose our son too. <laughs> Alvin, all this is for you. This is the only way to live a quiet life away from danger. Now I knew everything. I hugged my dad. My mom got up and joined us. We all cried for Betty for a while. I'm really sorry about today. I didn't know you were trying to protect me. I will be careful from now on, I said. From that day on, I made mom and dad a promise to live humbly during the day and never tell anyone again. Let me tell you a secret. I have remained on my own for the past 10 years or so. I may have had a girlfriend here and there, but I mostly remained alone in my apartment for all this time. No friend, no contact. Yet I had no idea that this would put the conditions for a life that I never imagined possible. For 10 years, I've worked hard, not taking a holiday, remaining alone with my computer, trying to hustle and make it. I eventually became close to a millionaire and I bought my own apartment. It's a beautiful one and one of the best in the city. By a matter of fact, I turned out to be very successful and rich guy, but I lacked major social skills. Also, I was extremely introverted, so much so that when I was out, I'd be invisible, or I wish to be invisible. Does that feel relatable? 
On a rainy night, I felt so exhausted that it seemed like I hadn't slept for a week, but still I couldn't find sleep. I perked up as I heard a scratchy noise at the door. I stood up and ran towards it, wondering if I was getting robbed. I was stunned to see a letter laying there on the ground. Someone had slipped me a message. I took it and opened it with defiance. I read in small letters, Thank you for saving my life yesterday. Let me know what I can do to thank you. My name is Elsa, by the way. You didn't ask. Your neighbor. I didn't remember last night. I had a blackout around 11 p.m. and thought I had fallen asleep. My neighbor? I have only one neighbor on my floor. I live in a premium condominium with very few and I heard very influential people. I had never met her. I opened the door and went to my neighbor's. Knock, knock. The door opened to a small blonde woman of about 28 years old. She looked at me like I was a hero. I received a strange letter under my door. Did you get one like this by any chance? Now, I know you were courageous, but I had no idea you also had a great sense of humor. Please come in. Let me get you some tea. You look terrible. Thanks, I guess, but I still don't know where this comes from. She drug me inside and started to prepare a cup. I told her I couldn't remember anything of the events, and she had a hard time believing me. Apparently, I was out in the middle of the night when she got bothered by a bunch of strange-looking fellows. I appeared out of nowhere, like the Black Knight, and kicked everyone's ass. She almost didn't have time to see who saved her, but she somehow recognized me. She told me I didn't tell her a word and disappeared into the darkness. I asked her how she recognized me, and she admitted that she had been stalking me in the past by pure curiosity of who was living next to her. She had spotted my tattoo on the back of my neck. I couldn't believe it, so it was me. I was so shocked that I had to leave her apartment, otherwise I'd go through a panic attack. I left the building and went to the closest club to unwind. As I sat there at the bar drinking some ice-cold water to try and refresh my mind, I couldn't help but to address the woman next to me. I hadn't done this in years. Hey ma'am, how are you doing tonight? Get out of my face, you loser. Actually, I wanted to let you know you have lipstick on your teeth. You may want to give it a look. She looked at me in shame and ran to the bathroom. I had a smirk on my face and was about to reach for my water when a girl on the left just sat and ordered the same water as me. So we're drink buddies tonight. Ready for a wild night? I held my water up in the sky and toasted my new friend. Right. I need to recover from last night, and it's the only place that lets me cure my insomnia. By the way, what did you tell this girl that ran away from you as if you were a ghost? Oh, I told her she wasn't up to my standard, and now look at her. She's staring at us from afar with her friends. I can see that. What do you have going on that's so attractive? I was about to answer when my neighbor popped in the conversation from behind me. He's a hero. He saved my life. I was in shock to hear that, but my surprise only grew when she started depicting the mysterious events out loud in the club. The girl at the bar was now in absolute admiration over me, and my neighbor just looked jealous about us being together at the bar. Elsa sat between the two of us and turned to my water buddy. So, what else do you have going on in your life, besides your looks? Elsa, your face is too kind for such mean words. You're right. She's so perfect. She should fly in the sunshine like an angel, and eventually burn her wings. Alrighty then, I'm gonna head out before this degenerates into a catfight. Ladies, please enjoy your night without me. I headed out to the door under the upset look of the two girls when a girl screamed at me. Hey, you! I didn't have lipstick on my teeth, so you owe me an apology. For this, I'll take your name and your number. Call me Big Papa. That's how I left. I felt strange, like a new version of myself had appeared overnight since Elsa told me about the event I can't recall. I'm having a secret life, one that's hidden even from myself. I came back home and without having a time to reflect on what happened, I fell asleep from utter exhaustion. I woke up the day after at 5pm. I really needed that break. As a lot of us do, the first thing I do in my morning is to check my phone. There were messages from an unknown number. Big Papa, it was great that you came back for us at the bar yesterday. We're excited to meet you today for the coffee you promised? Attached to the message was a picture of myself surrounded with beautiful girls in a club I never recall stepping foot into. So I did it again. I stood up and knocked on Elsa's door. Elsa, open up. I need to talk right now. Elsa slowly opened the door. Hey, you scared me. What's going on? What do you mean, what's going on? What happened yesterday? Nothing. I went to sleep soon after you left the bar. Then I saw you from afar on my way back. But you didn't notice me and walked straight past at a fast rate. It seems like I went back to the club, but I was sleepwalking again. I showed her my phone with the messages and picture. She was stunned and looked amazed at me. The city's hero is out again. What if I'm also a villain? You don't look like one. 
She dragged me in her apartment, looked at me, and declared, I wanted to thank you. I know you have money, and you don't need much, but what can I do for you? Oh, uh, thanks. Nothing really. Maybe just help me understand what's wrong with me. Okay. Actually, I already thought about it. I'm calling my security team. They will install cameras all over your place. Also, take this. It's a tracker to keep around your wrist. It'll track your every movement and also your brainwaves. It's an advanced tech. This way, I'll be able to check in on you and see how far you're going. How do you feel? Tired. Okay. Sleep on my couch. Meanwhile, my teams will install the security devices. When I woke up, I actually felt rested. Could it be that my neighbor's presence was calming me down and impeaching me to live through my sleep? I got back to my apartment, but I couldn't see cameras. Elsa told me they installed the latest tech. Surely this means micro cameras have been distributed everywhere. So my really pretty neighbor was now stalking me with several cameras. What other madness could happen? I had no idea. I was exhausted and I closed my eyes to fall asleep. A moment later, I opened them. I was on a plane. My neighbor was sitting next to me in first class. I looked at her in panic. What's going on here? Oh, so you're awake. Good morning. Turns out you didn't sleep at all. A few minutes after your bedtime, you suddenly got up and got dressed and headed out to the airport. I followed you with a cab and hopped in the same plane as you. And we are now on the way to Italy. Italy? But why? Only time will tell. Long story short, it turns out that my subconscious told me to go to Italy because my family was living there. With the help of Elsa, I was able to find my true origins. Not only that, I actually arrived in time to save my parents from being robbed by the Southern Italian Mafia. I probably saved their life this very day. Now I am living with Elsa and my family in the very southern part of Italy. Turns out my grandfather also was in the Italian mob. Therefore, I was automatically admitted inside of it. And they do want to make me the leader of it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.